Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 25, 26 and 27 of Divergent. So last episode, we pretty much were dealing with the fallout of the attack on Triss. And then Al, rest in peace, found his way to the bottom of the chasm. And then they had a funeral that day. Meanwhile... Triss and Four, things between them are heating up and there's a lot of lingering grazes and touches and rubs, which sounds sexy, but really nothing's happened so far. So we start with chapter 25. She's standing with Will and Christina at the railing overlooking the chasm, which is, you know, the crime scene, but we don't know where we are in time. She hasn't filled it in. So it could be the same day. It could be the next day. It could be next week. Who knows? But she does tell us that her shoulders sting from the tattoo needle because they all got new tattoos a half hour ago. She says, Tori was the only one in the tattoo place. So I felt safe getting the symbol of abnegation on my right shoulder. And she says, I know it was a risk, especially after all that's happened, but that symbol is part of my identity. So she, she knows it's a risk, but she was like, oh, it's just Tori, so I should be fine. But it's like, Tris, you know, this is on your skin forever, right? Like it, it, it's on your skin and it's on your shoulder. Like, are you just assuming your shoulders will always be covered up? Is she just assuming no one's ever going to see her shoulders? Does she know how tattoos work? It's, it's permanent, babe. And she reflects on Al for like a second, but then he's never mentioned again. And what they're doing there is they have a stack of paper, which are the reports that Erudite have been putting out against abnegation. And so they've just been tossing them into the chasm. And on one of the flyers is a picture of Janine, the erudite representative. Take note of her because that's Kate Winslet. She's a big deal. She's going to be popping up throughout the rest of the book. She's the villain. Well, I am assuming she's the villain. She might end up being a bit of an anti-hero because we all know I love erudite. So whatever she's doing, maybe I'm going to back her. Who knows? But we know that she's important because we're spending a lot of time talking about her. Because she's like, oh, hey, Will, do you know this person? And he's like, yeah, I met her once. Before she was a leader, she worked with my sister. They were trying to develop a longer lasting serum for the simulations. She's so smart. You can see it before she even says anything. She's like a walking, talking computer. So yeah, he's like, oh, I don't really know her that well, but here's a whole backstory. So it's interesting that she wants a longer lasting serum for the simulations. Like, wh- wh- why? 
As far as I can see, the simulations only serve a couple of purposes. One is the aptitude test, which could easily be done with a multiple choice. You could do a quiz out of Cosmopolitan and you'd get the same outcomes as this aptitude test with the simulation serum. And so they also use it for the Dauntless initiation, which again, you don't really need it. I don't know why you need it longer. Like the whole point is for people to be within the simulation and then get out of it by facing their fears. So why do you want it to be longer? What else are you doing with this serum, Janine? And so she's like, well, Will, what do you think about what she's got to say? And he says, I don't know, but maybe it is a good idea to have more than one faction in control of the government. And he's like, and you know what? Some fresh fruit, like, wouldn't be a bad thing. And she's like, ugh, there's no secret warehouse where all that stuff is kept. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that comfort and prosperity are not a priority for abnegation. So maybe if the other factions were involved in the decision-making, maybe they would be. I think he's talking sense. Yeah, abnegation with their laser focus are not going to serve the whole society equally, are they? But then Triss also claps back being like, you know what, giving an erudite boy a car isn't more important than giving food to the factionless. And yeah, well, she's got us there. And then Christina, I'm assuming this is ironic. I think she's saying this ironically. She says, guys, this isn't the time for political debate. This is supposed to be a lighthearted session of symbolic document destruction. So I think she's being ironic because there's nothing more political than a book burning. But I, th- I, think, she's, I think she's being glib on purpose. And then out of nowhere, Tress is thinking, hmm, Will and Christina share a lot of idle touches lately. I've noticed it. Have they? So she's worried she's going to be the third wheel in their little relationship. I don't know if she's jealous or if she cares. She seems to just be noting it. And then she again thinks about Janine. She's, oh, Janine, Janine, Janine. We get it. She's important. You've introduced a new character and she's one to watch. I I got it. I got it. So they decide to go to bed, but as she's turning away from the chasm, she sees movement on the right side of the pit. A figure is climbing towards the glass ceiling. And that's not a metaphor for women's rights. No, there's an actual glass ceiling above the Dauntless compound. And she thinks because of the smooth way they're walking that it's four. So she says to Christina and Will, oh, just got to go say something to four. See you later. And then as they walk away, she sees Christina tussle Will's hair and Will jabbing her in the ribs. And she's like, "Mm, I feel like I am witnessing the beginning of something, but I'm not sure what it will be. What what do you think it will be? They're going to fuck. That's what they're going to do. And so she starts sneaking up behind four. She's trying to walk softly so that he doesn't notice that she's following him. She's like, I'll, I'll reveal myself eventually, but I just want to know where he's going this late at night. And he's clearly going upstairs to the building above them. I mean, you're being a bit of a creeper here, Triss. So they get upstairs. He goes to the door of the fear landscape and he's holding a box in one hand and a syringe in the other. <laughs> and he says, since you're here, you might as well go in with me without even looking over his shoulder. So he knew she was there the whole time. I don't know why she had to sneak up on him. It it didn't work. So what's going to happen is he's going to go into his fear landscape and he's going to take her with him because if he puts the serum in her, that'll connect her to the program. But the program has already been preset to go into Four's landscape. So she can effectively see his fears. And she's like, well, why? And he said, why else? So I can show you some things. 
So he was always hoping that she would follow him. Wouldn't it have been a bit more direct to just say, oh, hey, Tris, can you meet me upstairs? Or come with me, I want to show you something. But he, he just assumed she would follow him if he walked near the chasm on the way up from the pit. Not a foolproof plan, but it did work. And then he's just shooting her up in the neck with the serum. She's very trustworthy. And then she jabs him in the neck with the serum. And he used different syringes. So he packed two syringes. So he was really sure that she was going to follow him. And then as they go into the landscape, he says, see if you can figure out why they call me four. Ooh, so we're gonna, we're gonna get to know the reason behind his dumb nickname. And then she says, what's your real name? And he says, "Mm, see if you can figure that out too. So the simulation starts, the ground disappears and all of a sudden they're like up in the sky because remember he's afraid of heights. And she says, I haven't seen a blue sky in a long time. So when it spreads out above me, I feel the breath catching my lungs and the effect is dizzying. Bitch, you went ziplining like six days ago. You ziplined from one of the tallest bloody buildings in Chicago right down to the ground on a clear day. Uh, but no, she hasn't seen the blue sky in so long. So Four starts being really scared. He wraps his arms around her shoulders. He's having trouble breathing and his teeth are clenched. And she's like, what? The height is beautiful to me. But then she's like, oh, it's one of his worst nightmares because we're in his fear landscape. Like, yeah, no shit. So they were just on like a roof of a building. So then they decide to run and jump off because that's how you overcome your fear. But I just don't, see how this works as a method of actually overcoming your fear because he knows he's in a simulation. He knows he can't get hurt because he's in a room and there's a needle full of something jabbed into his neck. Like if he really wanted to overcome his fear, he should have gone ziplining, but he stayed home that day. And because we find out Four just does this all the time. He's just constantly going through this simulation to try and get over his fears. Maybe go outside. Maybe don't go into a simulation and that might help. So they jump off the building, that's that fear ticked off. And then all of a sudden the landscape changes and they're like being closed in by four walls. That's the number four, not the person four that I'm saying. And she's like, ah, he's afraid of confinement. And he's still freaking the fuck out. He is not comfortable. And she's like, "Mm, we're not gonna be able to jump out of here. So what we have to do is face the fear head on So we need to make this space smaller so it gets worse, so it gets better, right? And he's like, yeah, you you figured it out. But while they're doing that, they're huddled together. And she's like, oh my God, his body is so warm. I love feeling his bones and his muscles. And she even thinks, he slips both arms around my waist. I am not enjoying this. I am not, not even a little bit. No. And yeah, pull the other one, Tris. So then she starts instructing him. She says, well, the simulation measures your fear response. So if you can calm your heartbeat down, it will move on to the next one. And I was like, yeah, that's what he told you last chapter. Don't act like you're coming up with this. But he's still not having a great time. And she says, you know, most boys would enjoy being trapped in close quarters with a girl, which is very heteronormative. I don't know if gay people exist in Divergent, but apparently they don't. Maybe they're factionless. Who knows? And he's like, not claustrophobic people, Tris. And also the gaze, but okay. And she's like, all right, well, put your hand on my heartbeat and just feel my heartbeat. Feel how steady it is. And every time you feel me breathe, you breathe. Focus on that. 
And I think she's like acting like she's doing this cool little meditation trick, but really I just think she wants his hand on her boobs. Even though she's told us she's not really filled out yet, I think this was just a sneaky way to get his hands on your chest. But that doesn't work. So she says, why don't you tell me where this fear comes from? Maybe talking about it will help us somehow. And he's like, oh, okay. What, why? He's done this before. He did his training two years ago. He comes and does this all the time. I don't know why he needs pointers from her. Maybe he's teaching her by doing or like getting her to learn through teaching him. I don't know, but all this attention you're putting on this one student, it's still creepy. And he says, this fear comes from my fantastic childhood, the childhood punishments, the tiny closet upstairs. And she's like, oh no, that's so sad. That's so cruel. My chest aches for him that he was punished in this way. And then she says, I don't know what to say. So I try to keep it casual. So the most comforting and casual thing she can think to say is, my mother kept our winter coats in our closet. Like, okay, how does that help? And it's still not working. So she's like, well, why don't you ask me something? And he says, okay, uh, why is your heart racing, Tris? And she's like, um, um, and she doesn't know what to say. So she's like, I barely know you and I'm crammed up against you in a box. <laughs> why, why do you think my heart would be racing? And then they flirt and he laughs and that's what breaks the walls apart. And then he says, maybe you were cut out for candor because you are a terrible liar. So I, I think he's just calling out her for lying when they were stuck in the box. But still, I mean, people from Canada can lie, I assume. Like what? And she says, no, well, the aptitude test actually ruled that one out. And he says, the aptitude test tells you nothing. And she's like, what's that mean? Your test isn't the reason you ended up in Dauntless? Meanwhile, her aptitude test doesn't mean anything because she's divergent. So like, this is all a pointless conversation. But she's asking the question, sort of excited, thinking that he might be divergent as well. But then over his shoulder, there's a woman and she's pointing a gun at them. And then next to them, a table suddenly appears and there's a gun and a single bullet. And she's like, oh, this fear isn't about the threat to his life. It has to do with him having to kill her. And she's like, oh, you have to kill her. And he says, yep, every single time. She looks real. It feels real. But, but he knows it's not real because he's having this conversation and he's done it multiple times. So I don't know why you'd be that scared. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I'll just do it. This one's not so bad. Not that much panic involved. So he's not even afraid. I mean, in her narration, she's like, yeah, not panic, but more dread. She's like, oh, he's dreading doing this. But then he shoots her as he does. And she still can't really figure out why this is a fear. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that, person is his mum or something like it's a simulation anything's possible but she thinks hmm it seems like the simulation is grasping at any fears it can find within him and it hasn't found much and then there's a dark figure moving ahead of them and she's like who is it who frequents fours nightmares and he emerges and he's wearing the gray clothes of abnegation and she's like oh that's marcus (laughs) And he says, yep, here's the part where you figure out my name. And she's like, oh, and everything's coming together. And she's like, oh my God, Marcus had a son who joined Dauntless. His name was Tobias. Something that she's never thought of in her whole like five weeks in Dauntless. She's just never once thought, wonder whatever happened to Tobias, who she used to live 
like around the corner from. Whatever happened to him? Nope, she never thought about it. So Marcus has a belt and he's like, this is for your own good. And he says that like a dozen times. And his voice echoes a dozen times because there's a dozen Marcuses all around them with the same belt. I assume she means like an identical belt, 12 identical belts, not that they're sharing one belt. And then the belts start slithering on the floor towards them, I guess like snakes, which is kind of a scary image. And she thinks the erudite accused Marcus of cruelty. For once, the erudite were right. They could be right about a lot more than that, Tris. I think you've got bias against the erudite. So then Marcus starts to whip Tobias with the belt, but she jumps in front and the belt cracks against her wrist, wrapping around it. And then she's got the belt and she strikes Marcus's shoulder with it. And then Tobias pushes Tris behind him so that he stands between her and Marcus. And that's when all the Marcuses vanish because he's overcome his fears. And then the lights come on, that's it. And she says, that's it? Those were your worst fears? And I was like, whoa, way to be a bit judgmental, Tris. And then she says, wait a minute. Why do you only have four? And then she thinks, only four fears. And then she says, oh, that's why they call you. (laughs) And she doesn't finish the sentence, but I think we've all figured out that he's called four because he only has four fears, which just is so dumb. Like, if that's a common thing, then why, why isn't everyone being called, hey, five? Oh, there's six in the compound. Oh, there's 28. But I think the fact that they've given it to him as a nickname is because they're impressed that he only has four fears. Like, that's, that's a crazy small amount. I don't, I don't really know if it is. Because he might not have lots of little fears, but he's certainly very afraid of heights. And he's very afraid of confinement and his dad and killing people. Like, those are, those are four big ones. So who cares if he's not afraid of like bugs and like lots of other little shitty fears. But no, he's called four because he has four fears. Who would have thought that he'd be called four because he has four of something? It's just so on the nose. But four is feeling super emotional. He's really in some sort of way. And he starts like hugging Triss, I guess. But the way she describes it is confusing. But yeah, he's like touching her and then his lips are slowly moving against her cheek. And then his arms are tightening around her shoulders and he buries his face in her neck, breathing against her collarbone. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say that that's a hug. She could have just said he hugged me, but no, we got the full breakdown. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we got through it. We got through it. And then he's slipping his fingers through her hair, tucking it behind her ear, just really playing with her head a fair bit. And he says, you got me through it. And she's like, well, it's easy to be brave when they're not my fears. And then she says she lets her hands drop and casually wipe them on her jeans, hoping he doesn't notice. (laughs) So I don't know if she's trying to get rid of the cooties or what, but she's wiping her hands on her jeans. But then he holds her hand and he says, come on, I have something else to show you. So the cooties are back on her hand. And that's the end of that chapter. And then we start right away with chapter 26. And she says, hand in hand, we walk towards the pit. And uh, of course, because she's not used to handshakes, or holding hands, she doesn't know how to do it because it's just not an intuitive thing that can be picked up on immediately. She says, I monitor the pressure of my hand carefully. One minute I feel like I'm not gripping hard enough and the next I'm squeezing too hard. It's not that difficult. But she starts to like how it feels. And she says, all right, so four, four fears. 
And he says, yep, four fears then, four fears now. They haven't changed. So I keep going in there, but I still haven't made any progress. Yeah, then go out and zip line. Go and face the real world. Maybe a simulation isn't working because it's only simulating the fear. Dauntless just haven't figured that out yet. The whole faction are like, oh, what? We have to face our fears head on rather than through some make-believe. So then they're walking along the edge of the pit on a narrow path that leads to the rocks at the bottom of the chasm. And she says she's never noticed this path before because it blended in with the rock wall. So I guess she's never been to the bottom of the chasm before. And she's like, yeah, this is all nice and all, but I really want to know if he's divergent or not. And so she says, you are going to tell me about your aptitude test results. And he's like, ah, does it matter? And she says, yes, I want to know. And he's like, oh, fuck, you're demanding. So they go down to the bottom of the chasm. Do you know what? I'm starting to suspect that they've used the word chasm a bit too generously. I think chasms should be really, really big. Like it shouldn't be easy to get to the bottom of a chasm. If they can just walk to the bottom of the chasm and then walk back up again, like that's not a chasm. And I still am not sure on how the chasm is any different to the pit itself, but uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to watch the movie to try and figure out that one. So he finds a flat rock near the side of the river where the current isn't that strong and they sit there with their feet dangling over the edge. She says, he seems comfortable here, inches above the hazardous water. Well, we already know he's not afraid of that because it's not in his simulation. He only has four fears and the hazardous water isn't one of them. And he's like, yeah, I don't really tell people this sort of stuff. And she's thinking, oh my God. He's going to tell me he's divergent. That's why we're here because the roar of the chasm ensures that we won't be overheard. And he immediately shoots that down. He says, my results were as expected, abnegation. And she's like, no. But then she thinks, well, wait a minute. I technically got abnegation as well. So maybe they lied and he's actually divergent. So she says, but you chose Dauntless anyway. What's with that? And he says, yeah, it was out of necessity. And she's like, what, what, why? And then she looks at him for a second and she's like, oh, because of your dad. It's like, no fucking shit, Tris. Like you just saw him get abused. (laughs) But yeah, okay. Oh, it's because of your dad. And she says, oh, is this why you don't want to be a dauntless leader? Because if you were, then you might have to run into him from time to time. And he's like, yeah, that. Also, I don't really feel like I fit in among the dauntless. Even though he's so incredible, he's only got four fears. And she says, Four fears is unheard of. By dauntless standards, you're like incredible. I don't know how she knows what what the standard is for how many fears people have. He says, I have a theory that selflessness and bravery aren't all that different. All your life you've been training to forget yourself so that when you're in danger, it becomes your first instinct. I could belong in abnegation just as easily. Which I guess makes sense. I just think it reinforces the fact that the faction system is bullshit. And that people can fit into multiple factions. So everyone is divergent. And she says, well, I left abnegation because I wasn't selfless enough, no matter how hard I tried. And he's like, well, you are the girl who let someone throw knives at you just to spare a friend. You hit my dad with a belt to protect me. So that sounds pretty selfless. And she's like, whoa, mind blown. And she's like, wow, you've been paying close attention, haven't you? And he says, I like to observe people. And she says, maybe you're cut out for candor because you are a terrible liar, which is the joke he made previously. It's still not funny. 
And then they hold hands again and she's looking down at his hands and she's like, oh, he has long, narrow fingers. Hands made for fine, deft movements. Not dauntless hands, which should be thick and tough and ready to break things. So who needs an aptitude test when you can just look at someone's hands and divide them up into factions that way? Maybe that's how the faction system started. They said, you've got big hands, you go to Dauntless. Hey, pretty hands, you go to Erudite or Abnegation. You bite your nails, go to Amity. Your index finger's longer than your middle finger, go to Candor. And he's like, okay, I watched you because I like you. Ugh. It's still creepy. And he says, don't call me four, okay? It's nice to hear my name again. I still don't think a a nickname of four would have ever have caught on. But she's more focused on the fact that he just admitted that he likes her and she's thinking, oh, but you're older than me. And he says, yes, that whopping two year age gap really is insurmountable, isn't it? And I think it's about a bit more than just a two year age gap. But she says, I don't get it. I'm younger. I'm not pretty. And he laughs, which could be damaging to her self-esteem. But she takes it being like, he's saying that she is pretty, even though he doesn't say that. She's like, you know what? Don't pretend, you know, I'm not pretty. I'm not ugly, but I'm certainly not pretty. He never said you were pretty. And then he says, fine, you're not pretty. (laughs) That's not the comfort that you might think it is for. Oh, sorry, Tobias. I'm actually going to enjoy saying Tobias rather than saying for all this time. I think that's going to be a nice change. But he says, I like how you look. You're smart and you're brave. And even though you found out about my dad, you aren't giving me that look like I'm a kicked puppy or something. So he doesn't think she's pretty. (laughs) Nothing in there says that she's attractive to him. Physically, that is. And then they kiss and the river roars and she feels it spray on her ankles. (laughs) Okay. Don't know why we needed to know that detail. It's the first kiss and we're hearing about the river spraying water on her ankles. (laughs) What? And she tenses up, unsure of herself. And so when he pulls away, she doesn't know if she did something wrong or badly. And like, yeah, if you're fucking up hand-holding, you probably don't know how to kiss. But then he kisses her again and firmer this time, more certain. And then she starts wrapping her arm around him, sliding a hand up his neck and into his short hair, just so we get the detail of where the hands are. And then they're kissing for a few minutes, deep in the chasm. I don't think it's that deep. If you can get there, it's not that deep. And then she says, they rise hand in hand, and she realizes that if they had both chosen differently, they might have ended up doing the same thing in a safer place in gray clothes instead of black ones. And that's the end of the chapter. So I guess they're an item now. I think they're official. It only took them 26 chapters, but we're finally there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So chapter 27 starts and it's the next morning. She's saying she's silly and light. And she's happy. She says she lets her hair hang loose. And she abandons her uniform of loose shirts in favor of one that cuts across her shoulders, revealing her tattoos. I thought you weren't meant to reveal your abnegation tattoo on your shoulder. You said it was dangerous. But here she is just flashing her tattoos. At least she remembers that they're still there. I was seriously thinking she assumed it was a stick on. And Christina's like, what's it with you? Why are you so happy? And she's like, you know, the sun's shining, the birds are chirping. She should still be really sore from when she got attacked. Remember she had that huge bruise, she was limping. We just dropped all of that. So maybe it is a fair few weeks after the funeral. I don't know. But she seems to be completely healed. So then she goes to the dining hall and her heart is pounding because she knows that at some point in the next half hour, she gets to see Tobias. And there's a spare seat next to her. And she's wondering if Tobias is going to sit in it. She's thinking, I wonder if he'll look at me in that secret stolen way that I imagine myself looking at him. But then he walks in and she smiles at him and lifts her hand to wave him over. But then he sits down next to Zeke without even glancing in her direction. (laughs) So she has to let her hand drop. Oh, how embarrassing. That is so cringe. Also, she says his hair is shorter and it looks darker this way, almost black. It's abnegation short. When did he have time to get a haircut? She saw him last night. It's breakfast. He must have had like a a really early booking at the salon. So she's feeling dejected. She's staring at a toast because he didn't acknowledge her existence. And she says, oh, maybe he changed his mind about liking me. Maybe he thinks kissing me was a mistake. Maybe he's being investigated by the dauntless leaders for grooming. Who knows? And then Will says, today's fear landscape day. You think we'll get to see our own fear landscapes? So we're only just getting to fear landscape day. So it mustn't have been that long since the funerals. I don't know. And Uriah says, nah, you go through one of the instructor's landscapes. My brother told me. And they don't know which instructor it will be. And Christina's like, oh, I hope it's Four's landscape. And Tris, I think is super jealous. She's like, why? And Christina's like, whoa, looks like someone had a mood swing. And she's like, like, you don't want to know what his fears are. He acts so tough but he's probably afraid of marshmallows or something. No, he's only got four fears. Famously, just the four fears and marshmallows aren't one of them. But she's thinking, oh, no, 
no way will it be Tobias because he won't want to let anyone know who his father is. Although I think people would know. I mean, it was the talk of the town that Marcus's son went into Dauntless. We already know leaflets can get distributed. Triss has been in the gossip mags about how she left Dauntless. I, I think people would know. I don't know how he could have kept it a secret, especially because he was probably going by Tobias for at least the first six weeks of initiation or however long initiation takes, because he would have only gotten that nickname of four at the end of initiation when everyone found out that he only had four fears. So they go to the fear landscape room and there's Lauren. She's the instructor of the Dauntless Born Initiates and we're going into her fears. And she says, two years ago, I was afraid of spiders, suffocation, walls that inch slowly inward and trap you between them. That seems to be a standard. Getting thrown out of Dauntless, uncontrollable bleeding, getting run, oh, getting run over by a train, my father's death, well, not her mother's, okay, public humiliation and kidnapping by men without faces. So she's had nine fears and I don't know why they're calling her Lauren and not nine, but then she tells us most of you will have anywhere from 10 to 15 fears. That's the average number. So, okay, good for you, Lauren, with the nine fears. And then Lynn, she's, <laughs> I love how Lynn's getting a line of dialogue. Who remembers who Lynn is? <laughs> so then Lynn gets a word in and she says, what's the lowest number someone has ever gotten? And she says, in recent years, four. <laughs> and no one, no one looks at four. No one's figured it out. <laughs> and she's thinking, geez, four, that's a really low number compared to the average. He's exceptional. And she says, you won't find out your number today. The simulation is set to my fear landscape, so you'll experience my fears first instead of your own. And I don't know what the point of that is. I think it's to like ease them into the fear landscape thing. But like, what if, what if they were also afraid of spiders? Going into your fear of spiders wouldn't make it any easier for them. Like your fears match up. But she says for the purpose of the exercise, each of you will only face one of my fears to get a sense for how the simulation works. <sighs> sure, whatever. Like, this is so silly. Uh, we just have to be on board with it at this point, don't we? So Triss gets assigned to the fear kidnapping. And because she's not hooked up to the computer while she waits, she can't watch the simulation, only the person's reaction to it. So they must look pretty silly while they're in the simulation with everyone watching. <laughs> like It's like, you know, when you see people with a VR headset on, and they're like, whoa, where'd the floor go? And you're like, you look like an idiot waving your arms. You're, just, you're standing up and they're screaming, being like, I'm on a roller coaster. And it's like, you look like an idiot. So that's, that's what's happening here. So then it's her turn and she's feeling quietly confident. She says, the obstacle won't be comfortable, but because I have been able to manipulate every simulation, not just this one, and because I've already gone through Tobias's landscape, I am not apprehensive. So she gets shot up with the needle in the neck and then the scenery changes and the kidnapping begins. And she's next to the chasm. She hears the roar of the water. She's screaming into the hands that are covering her mouth and she's thrashing to free herself, but her kidnappers are too strong. So she's fucking terrified. And maybe it was a bad idea of Lauren to give kidnapping as a fear to the girl who was kidnapped a few days ago. She was blindfolded and carried to the chasm to be thrown to her death. And they thought, oh, let's just give her kidnapping. Don't give her spiders. Don't give her a random dad dying. <laughs> Wouldn't you have rather that? But no, nah, there's no sensitivity from the Dauntless instructors. 
and she must be triggered. She says she has an image of herself falling into darkness, and she says that is the same image that I now carry with me in my nightmares. Which is odd, because I thought we were writing this in the present tense, but that sentence seems to indicate that she's narrating this from the future, but she's not talking about it in the past tense. I don't know. But she says she's screaming, she's screaming, she's crying. And she mustn't have escaped the simulation because someone has to stop it. And she's back in the room and her body's shaking. She's on her knees. And she's like, oh God, I failed. I lost all logic. I lost all sense. Lauren's fear transformed into one of my own. Which is so funny because isn't she meant to be divergent? Like the second definition of divergence that we've been given is that she can control simulations, but not this one. New way. She (laughs) really struggled. So maybe she's not divergent. And then Four's like, what the hell was that stiff? Get yourself together. This is pathetic. And she's like, what the fuck? You're meant to be my boy. And you're being so mean. So she, (laughs) she smacks him and he stares and she stares back and she says, shut up. And she yanks her arm from his grasp and walks out of the room, and that's the end of the chapter. What a weird fucking chapter that was. She's all of a sudden not divergent, and now they're having a public tiff in front of everyone, and she's smacking her instructor. Anywhere else, they'd be like reprimanding her for that, but I think at Dauntless, they're like, God damn it, she's got nerve. So that was a really short chapter. We learned so much. Four is called four because he had four fears. And Triss is no longer divergent. Wow, what a what a change. Plus they're hooking up at a chasm. Just action-packed. Just a reminder that you can access bonus episodes over on Patreon at patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. I'm covering Fifty Shades Darker. And talk about action-packed. Anastasia and Christian are just having the biggest sex romp of a weekend. They've done it like 20 times. They're going on boat rides. He's buying her a car. There's an ex-submissive with a gun who's breaking into his apartment. And yet nothing is happening as well at the same time. So much plot, so little character or sense in the book, but it's been fun to roast it. So if you're interested in that, the access to the bonus episodes, that's $3 a month. There's one new episode every Friday and you get your own exclusive feed to put into your podcasting platform, no ads or anything. It's great. Other than that, feel free to leave a rating or a review if you haven't yet. That's always appreciated. And just like, you know, share the pod with your friends. If you're enjoying it, give us a share. It means the world to me and it really helps support the podcast and helps it grow. So thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week for what looks to be a big chapter coming up. A lot is about to go down, especially with Janine, (laughs) who we've heard so much about. And so I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. 
Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.